Hi, welcome to this episode of Author Eke. I'm Travis Davis, your host. Tell us your story. Hey, everybody, this is uh, Travis from Author Eke, and it's a new year, 2013, and I couldn't have thought of a better place to start it, but in Paris. So I want to introduce you to Phil Ray here. Uh, him and I, we met at a book kind of a signing at a library in Capel, Texas, uh, which is between yeah, Fort Worth and uh, Dallas. And we had the booth next. He had a book there. Interesting. And I said, I want to get you on author Eke because I want to start the year off right. So, Phil, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us about your book. Yeah. Um, well, as you said, name is Philip Ray. I'm an attorney practicing in Dallas. I've been here pretty much my entire career. So going on 32 years, um, primarily doing defense work on personal injury claims. I've been in the Coppell area for nearly 25 years, I think. So haven't moved around a whole lot. And the book that I guess we're going to talk about is my first one that was released back in September of last year. And I'll hold up a copy of it. It's The Pancour Murders. Uh, takes place in France, uh, part of it at least in Paris. Uh, just had my second book, Murder in the Marais, or The Murder in the Marais, come out last week on Thursday, I think is when it went live on Amazon. So um, I actually, it came out a little faster than I expected, uh, went live a little faster. So I don't yet have my author copy of that, which I understand is a huge no-no. So. <laughs> we can we talk about both books. And uh, Phil will not be giving any legal advice today, please. We're keeping it on strictly about literature and books. Uh, so nobody yeah, will yeah. pop any questions. <laughs> Absolutely. Besides, yeah, uh, we'll keep it on something interesting instead of the law world. So tell me uh, or tell us how how did you come up with this? And can I give it the background and the theme and where this place takes in the time period of the book? Yeah. Well, um, I've always liked French literature, well, I like France and everything that flows from that, whether it's literature or architecture, mm -hmm. art, um, the, the, the history just fascinates me. Um, and, it, you know, France was for centuries kind of the center of either political thought or, mm -hmm. um, you know, fashion, uh, just, just really influenced a lot of the rest of the world. Um, so we were, my wife and I were there on a trip in 2019 and we'd been there several times. So we wanted to do some sort of, you know, not, not the standard Eiffel Tower or Louvre, which sure. I mean, are all wonderful, but right. we want to do some of the smaller tours, some of the, go to some of the smaller museums. And I loved, uh, I love French literature. So I thought, mm -hmm. well, there is a tour for just about everything in Paris. And I thought, well, some of the places mentioned in The Three Musketeers, which that series of, of books is one of my favorites. I thought, mm -hmm. well, those still exist. So we'll find a Musketeers tour and, and go see where did the historical D'Artagnan live? Where did the care, you know, the 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 one who's um in the in the story uh -huh. uh, based on the same character, but one's fictionalized. And I thought, well, we'll just we're gonna do the, the whole Musketeers thing. And I couldn't believe they didn't have a Musketeers tour. So when we came back to the U.S., I thought, well, this 
that might be interesting. I could do that. I, you know, there's Hemingway tours, there's all these tours. Yeah. I thought I can research this, find out what buildings that are mentioned in the books or that actually um, in, in the true stories, it still exist. Turn it into a walking tour because Paris at that time was, yeah, it's a walkable mm-hmm. city now, but at that time was much more compact. And so did all the research, spent a few months with, you know, finding out what buildings are still there, mm-hmm. what what buildings are now standing where an address was at the time, have my walking tour all together, and then COVID hit. So right as I was about to start marketing it as a potential tour possibility and maybe working with a French tour company or with schools, um, mm-hmm. you know, whether it would be me going over there and doing it or hiring someone there, it all, you know, all got shut down. So right. that's such what, a great what, idea though. I mean, who would have well, thunk it? Well, you know? yeah. And <laughs> someone's going to see it and run with it at some point. You know, <laughs> uh, I mentioned that on the podcast, but I, I still would love to do it. Um, right. I, I'm, I'm, I've spent a lot of time in the area where the books take place and where the yeah. actual musketeers were. Um, and I just, I think it's fascinating, but you know, I, I had probably 200 pages of, of, you know, pictures and maps yeah. and research and had nothing to do with it. And after a few months, I started thinking I you know, need to do something. Cause at that point, I had no idea how long COVID and travel restrictions were going to last. Yeah, And like I said, I love French literature. Mm-hmm. The other love I have is uh, kind of the traditional mysteries, Agatha Christie's, mm-hmm. th- those kind. Um, and I thought, well, maybe I can just take a stab at writing a book with a musketeer as the amateur sleuth and see what would happen. And that was kind of the, the genesis of it. I just <laughs> sat amazing. down and spent a few weeks writing a story and thought, well, at, at that point, I really didn't know what I had, but mm-hmm. I thought that's uh, it's something to do. Yeah. So you make up a good point. So anybody looking to even fiction that's looking to write a book, there is just a ton of research that has to go into writing a book uh, because it has to be, you know, except fantasy. I mean, probably in fantasy takes a lot of research, but definitely a fiction that, you want to portray it as somewhat realistic has takes a lot of research. And when I wrote my book and my brother uh, read it, he goes, wow, you did do research. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. A lot. You know, there's a lot to it. So this takes place in what, what time period does this take place? It would be 1636. The first book takes place in the fall of 1636. So under Louis the 13th, uh, like I, you know, you're right about the research. The good thing was by the time I started writing it, I knew I had a lot of the research done, right. not with this intent, but you know, that, that certainly spurred things along. That, 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 that's, I mean, that's great. And what's the good about it, when you write a book, 1630s in Europe, there's buildings that still exist. I mean, I go to Europe. I just got back from Europe uh, for Christmas and New Year's, and you can walk around the cities in Germany. And there's these, you know, buildings from 1500s, from 1400s, and all the history there. It's amazing that you can go back and kind of tra- retrace the steps of that. Yeah, and you know, there's been you know obviously tons of changes, mm-hmm. but some of that some of the the historical sites that have been preserved are great. But then, you know, if you go into the countryside, 
you know, just a small village, there may be a farmhouse that's been there since the 1300s. You oh, know, yeah. and it's not unusual. Whereas, you know, here in the Dallas area, well, <laughs> we haven't been around that long, but right. you know, it, we we scrape things off after 20 or 30 years. And you go, you go look at those older buildings in Europe, and you look at it, and you go, that's crooked. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, it's, and it's still standing. And that, my brother-in-law lives in a house in Coburg, Germany, that's in the middle of town, Stadtmitte. I, I, I bet that thing's from late 1600s. I mean, and it's still standing. You can tell, but I mean, it's very nice inside. But it, it's crazy with it when you when you think about that. So, had you ever thought about writing a book before, or just because you know this? the events uh, precipitated you deciding to do something with the research that you did? You know, probably, well, I think in high school, like most people read Lord of the Rings and all yep. that. And I thought, well, I could do that, which I couldn't. And then <laughs> early in my legal career, everyone wanted to be the next John Grisham. So I thought, uh-huh. well, you know, I've, I've tried some cases and had some, we've had some weird things happen in them. Right. So maybe do something with that. But just it never really caught my attention and you know then you have kids and it it's you get you just don't have the free time that you once did um right. or you don't make the free time i guess it's probably more accurate um so it takes time it takes time yeah. writing a book so it was after the i mean it was kind of my covid project we weren't going to court i wasn't yeah. doing much traveling everything was to the extent we were having hearings they were by zoom mm-hmm. So I found myself with some free time right at the same time that I had all this research and it just sort of, you know, came together. That's interesting. I mean, I don't know know what I did in the COVID time. I don't think I did anything productive. (laughs) (laughs) I think work and uh, try to lose some weight. But other than that, I I don't know. So you you started out, you know, just with some research because you had an idea because you found something interesting that you think with other people would, that there was nothing there. Right. And you want to make sure that you want to explain that there is not really a cat with three, three musketeers. He was never, anyone was never a cat. No, that you no, can prove that. that is, that is true. <laughs> um, you know, the research on it was pretty fascinating. Yeah. You know, there there's to some extent, you're a little limited if you're just a, uh, lay person like like me mm-hmm. i can't go into certain libraries and and look at collections but i can look at a lot of secondary sources of professors who've looked at some of this yeah. so you know that that i ended up ordering quite a few books like for instance just day-to-day things mm-hmm. you know what what did they eat you know what did, what did the rich people eat versus what did the poor people eat hey. you know you know you just don't know <laughs> they have um, and you, yeah, yeah. and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to make a horrendous, you know, mistake. Say, exactly. oh well, they had a baguette. Well, I don't know, this didn't come along until you know, a couple hundred exactly. years later or 150 yeah. years. So, you know, I got a French cookbook from like the 1650s, and you know, oh, wow. I mean, it's a it's a reprint, but it's sure. it, it tells you, and it it was really good about telling you at what time of year you would serve things because of what was available. So that, you know, again, you don't want to have your average person, including me, would would read that they ate strawberries in the fall and not think anything of it. Right. There's going to be someone out there who's like, no, <laughs> wouldn't have yes, strawberries. There's always somebody. <laughs> yeah. And so I uh, 
you know, I did, I did a fair amount of research like that. The, the firearms, I wasn't um, terribly well versed in those. So I had to do a little more research on that, but there's just tons of research that's available. So that was, you know, so I, I wrote my story, no idea. I mean, you know, kind of intuitively, you know, some things about story structure, you got to have some event, the person is called in to investigate in some way mm -hmm. and he does his investigation, solves the crime. You got to have that kind of, I mean, you, you know, just from reading books and watching mm -hmm. movies, that's kind of how it goes. But I didn't know really anything about the craft of writing. Mm -hmm. So you know, I wrote my story, had contacted a, a freelance editor just to say, I've got this. I don't know what it is or what to do with it. Mm -hmm. It was about 37,000 words, which to me, I thought, well, that's, that's a huge book. And, you know, <laughs> find out, you know, that's about half of what that's I That's half need. a novel. That's a half yeah. a novel. <laughs> and she, you know, she told me, find a book coach, someone that can teach you the, the craft, like how to structure a story, how to mm -hmm. do your dialogue, not to, you know, head hop between characters. And so I kind of, you know, so I, I went about this to the, kind of backwards way i researched i wrote then i figured out how i'm supposed to write yeah mm -hmm. so i've yet to do that what's <laughs> I, that i've figured out how to write i, I just uh I, do you outline i am not a very good outliner which drives my book coach who's who i've had since the beginning or since i mm -hmm. first started writing mm -hmm. um it drives him nuts he is a very very structured yeah. writer i tend to and i don't write in order necessarily i still think kind of in yeah i, I sort of know i'm going to have about 25 chapters mm -hmm. so I, I gotta solve the crime you know by chapter 20 ish mm -hmm. so i kind of know where things are going to fall but you know i may be stuck on a something in chapter 10 that just doesn't seem to work but i've got a good idea on chap uh, something around chapter 15 right. so i'll skip ahead write that then I might go back and redo chapter five. And then I, I kind of hop around. I do. It's, it's called a, a pantser, by the way. Yes. Yes. I am, I'm, a pantser. I am <laughs> trying to get better at outlining just because I think it will save some time. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm sure you've seen it. There's some of these people that outline, I mean, they outline, then they outline more and they keep fattening think, it up yeah. where they almost have a book, you know, by right. the time it's yeah. and I just haven't gotten anywhere near that. Yeah, I don't I don't outline. I kind of mind map some things and I'll start like I'll I'll write stuff in a book and I go, you know what, I don't want to use it in this book. So I'll push it away because I know I'm gonna write another one and I'll use it for that other one because I, I can build that out for that, or I'll write the end first and then you know to go in and write the beginning and and move it around, but yeah, I don't, I don't outline. I just kind of write the clear, conscious thought until I'm done with the thought. And right. Then, then I'll look at something else to do. Now, I, I it, there's everyone's different, you know, yeah. and you have, um, you just kind of have to go with what works. I think for me now, I will, I will start outlining, but it's a very skimpy outline, yeah. and it's. There may not be anything. I know there's going to be a chapter 10 through 14, but there may not be anything written down there. But mm -hmm. chapter 15, I've got an idea that X is going to happen. So, and then as I go, I may go back and fill in stuff just to keep the, make sure I've got some continuity in it. You don't want to have mm -hmm. a character doing something, but he's really not introduced till 
a chapter later. You that know, is, uh, that, that is that's so that, that's what I'll do is I'll use mind mapping to make sure that if I start it that I I finish it out somewhere in the book or everything and uh, and especially if you write like a second I know you wrote a second book and it probably has the same characters in it. So how much do you reintroduce the characters? That's a that's something that you have to look at too from a second book perspective. Right. Yeah, that was uh and I wasn't sure because my books there it's going to be a series and I've got the third one is going out is with beta readers right now so it'll go out to the editor. The plan is for February and be maybe done by July. The fourth one I've gotten drafted at least just the first draft, but they're all that each one could be picked up and read. That's the important part. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't. I mean, some of the character development and relationships grow or whatever, mm-hmm. but you could just pick one up, like a Hercule Poirot book. You could just pick one of his up, and you don't necessarily know if it's the first or the 30th. You know, it's exactly he sort of is what he is, he does his thing. Mine's not quite to that extent, so mm-hmm. I do have to at least do some reintroducing Um, and I try to do it in my first chapter to have some kind of activity. Like, you know, my book coach and I'm sure other people call this a James Bond opening. It doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. tie into the rest of the book, but it kind of shows who the people are and shows some of their skill sets and they're doing something. Mm -hmm. And that kind of sets some of the tone for the rest of the book. And And I kind of reintroduce them along the way and, yeah, that, that's the hardest part. Like when I wrote I got, I, my second one is at the editor. I hope to have it out April or May or something. Um, and it's the same team, but I grow the team. Right. So how much and some other pe- characters in the book. So how much do you introduce them without having to read like somebody who read the first book? They're like, oh, I, I don't need to know all this all over again. So how right. much do you reintroduce them? That and to me, that's interesting. So. Uh, do you do you have like a certain time you write? Like I can write. Mo- I like writing in the morning, and I like writing with music on. <laughs> you know, it depends for me. Um, just because of the nature of my work, um, I usually have to get up and get get going on it. I'm I'm not one of those people that can get up at five or four in the morning and write yeah. for two hours. No, I, I can't do that. If, oh. if I did, it would be incoherent. So <laughs> I usually. You know, but sometimes during the day, um, you know, over lunch or I'll I'll have an idea in the morning. I think, okay, at lunch, Mm. I'm going to sketch this out. So turn off the computer, sketch that or, you know, kind of get an idea for the scene. But most of my writing is just after work. And I try to do it pretty early after I shut Mm -hmm. off work just so I don't get distracted later on in the evening, you know, making dinner or or cleaning up or something. Mm So, yeah, I bet if I ever tried to track it, probably most of my writings between like five and seven in the evening. And then, you know, probably. Well, sometimes, though, you, you got to go to take care of other things and then I've come right. back and write it, you know, 10 to 11, maybe just to sort of close whatever circle I'm working on. Yeah, I think my if you did average of my time, probably 930 to 1130, 12. Right. Because. Because you well know as well as I do, writing the book is almost the easy part. Once you get it out, how do you market? Well, you know what's the most effective way to market? You could write the best things in sliced bread, but if people don't know about it, 
it's tough. So you got to get it out. But how do you get it out without blowing a budget? Number one, uh, and then but so you'll be interested enough to write another one. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean that's that is you know I'm struggling with that right now. the The first book was I won't say easier, but I had really low ex. Well, I almost had no expectations. I thought I'm going to put it on Amazon. I have no idea if I'm going to sell any. Yeah, I hear right, these right. horror stories of people saying, well, I sold 20 bucks. I'm like, oh, crud. You know, I want to do that. But. <laughs> well, the average for a year for like a first-time author or even an established is only like 250 to 500, 500 copies of a book. Yeah. A year. Now, that, if you that over 5,000, that's when people start looking at you. From, yeah. From, so, the, you, know, you know, the first book I did, the whole thing where we had a, you know, family and friends, uh, like a book launch party at a, mm-hmm. you know, at a, um, a winery, not not like at the winery, but at their storefront. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we didn't fly everyone to like San Francisco or anything. No, so we did. A, I want to be did, your friend. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, we we had people in, had yeah. you know, and you know, it sold a, a decent amount that way. But you know, there's only so many friends and family and coworkers that you have, and at some yes. point, you know, then you're. Like, okay, what about all these other people out there? Um, you know, I so the first book, it's done okay, mm-hmm. but I did almost zero marketing. Um, the second book, I have actually hired a marketing company, mm-hmm. and I'm just kind of curious to see how it goes. There's there was one I was looking at, and then I I decided to go with this other, and I'm just I'm just going to see what happens. You know, it's, uh, yeah. and it, you know, if it doesn't work, that's fine. Then I know I've given it, given it that shot. I may try the, the other company on the third book, mm-hmm. but you know, it may not, I mean, I may not, may not need it. May not, this may not, uh, be a million seller or thousand book seller. You yeah. know, who knows? Are you, a, are you self published? Yeah. So I do what I've, I've got um, an editor who does, she's a freelance editor, but she does uh, editing for publishing companies. Okay. Um, it's And my proofreader also, you know, she's freelance, but also does for, I mean, they both do work for traditionally published people, mm-hmm. you know, than, than people like me. Um, and then I use a company to do the formatting. Sure. Now, I don't really have time or the will to learn how to format and how to do all the nuts and bolts stuff. So I try to outsource as much of that as I can. Yeah, I believe that's like I don't do a lot of work around the house because I'm not very good at it. But there is people that are and I I pay for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, want it, but, I want it to actually work or last. Right. So. Right. So do you books? You have anything book signings coming up, or where can people now, get a hold I, of you and, and stuff? Yeah, well, I've got my got my website, which is the the first book came out a lot faster than I thought. We were going through the editing process, mm-hmm. the formatting process, and fortunately, when it got to the formatting, it was pretty clean. You know, so it ended up coming out a lot faster than I thought. Right. Um, and so we were scrambling as we were, you know, I, I really didn't understand how to put it on Amazon or to have it. Mm-hmm. And they, they, the formatting company was taking care of that. 
but it went live also a lot faster than I thought. So we were frantically trying to get a website up, <laughs> which is probably not the best way to do that. You did it pretty quick. Yeah. So yeah. I just just put something together. So yeah, it's uh, uh, Philip Ray. It's Philip with two L's and W R A Y dot com. So very mm-hmm. simple. No frills. We're about to go. I'm about to work on that or have someone work on it because I, I don't have a facility for that. Um, but, but LinkedIn, I know you can be reached on LinkedIn because we're LinkedIn. We're LinkedIn. Yeah. And then uh, my my email is Philip Ray again, two L's and then W-R-A-Y author at gmail dot com. Okay. And, you know, what's kind of interesting. Sorry to get back to this no, uh, on the series stuff. You know, they, they tell you you really have to have if. If lightning isn't going to strike like a Harry Potter or something, mm-hmm. you really need to have a series if you want it to work. Um, yes. And I'm starting to see that now with the second. It's the first one. I don't know if you saw it this way. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everyone you know buys a copy, and yeah. you know you do your book signing, and and people buy a copy. But then it starts trailing off. Yeah. Um, and so my second book came out, and all of a sudden I've started seeing. Um, my very minor spike, but a spike nonetheless of sales of the first book. And I'm thinking, I don't know who those people are. My thought is there are people who are seeing the second one and, you know, there's something's caught their interest in it and they want to go back to the beginning. I think that's true. What I've done differently this time is uh, the first time I didn't, I didn't try to pre-market at all because I didn't know diddly squat. Right. So this time even though the book, you know, still being edited, I'm already, I'm already starting to market it, right? I'm telling, you know, people about the book and, and everything. And I've got, you know, I've got my websites and it has it, you know, coming soon and you'll be able to pre-order off my website, uh, you know, autograph copies or whatever. Uh, so I learned, I've learned that. Um, and I've, you know, learned, you know, uh, it takes time, right? You don't, you don't boil the ocean in a day. You don't need a I'd eat elephant, you know, one piece at a time. And I think you're right about the series because people can take up the second one. And if there's a first one, they want to know about that. But what I've done too is I've created a website uh, for my team. Yeah, I've seen that. That's going to be a where people want to learn about the members of the team. They're they're all, you know, clandestine operation people. There's no pictures. There's just silhouettes going to be out there. But you're going to be able to. What's her mission? Where the? What's her background? What you know? All these things. So they're going to take on a character of themselves, and I, that I think will help. Uh, and, and it's fun, you know. <laughs> which, you know, I'm in my early 60s, and for me to say technology is fun, you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> hey, generation didn't uh, invented the internet, so uh, good. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, the marketing is something I've really not focused on. Um, I don't think but, anybody has a, has a. I don't think anybody knows how to crack it. I mean, I've got like uh, Rocket Publisher or something. Do I go out and look at keywords, right. which ones I want to use, and all that? But I, I don't think there is a Rosetta Stone for book marketing. If there is, then somebody's going to make a ton. Yeah. Well, it's, it'll be interesting. This one I'm going to put a little, well, uh, I'm put it in the hands of someone who's going to put more effort into it. And we'll see, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be probably Amazon ads. It'll be, Mm -hmm. you know, he's, he did the selecting of the different, um, you know, 
what genres or categories that it's going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, aside from the keywords and, you know, we'll just see how it goes. I'm, I'm curious. I mean, for me, you know, it's just fun. I've still got, you know, ideas for a couple more stories and I've got some ideas for a couple of uh, novellas, you know, for Mm -hmm. some, some of the minor characters Mm -hmm. or secondary characters to have (laughs) kind of their own little stories and, you know, I mean, as long as, I mean, I've had people to say, um, you know, they hadn't read a book in like 15 years and they wouldn't have, except they felt like they should read mine since I know them. And I would be asking them, you know, if they read it. Um, (laughs) And they, um, but they said they really liked it and they're looking forward to the next book. I think that's pretty cool. You know, that someone who doesn't read, you know, is, is reading it and actually enjoying it. Yeah, that, you make a good point. So, the, don't don't feel uh, don't feel bad when somebody just hates your book, right? Just some people just don't maybe not like anything or it wasn't the, for them or whatever. So you've got to learn to move on because a lot of people do, and it just it feels it feels good uh, when somebody gives you a good good review or likes your book or can't wait for your next book and. So, yeah, so don't get down, folks, uh, just because somebody's a Debbie Downer or a Karen. So. Well, that's the thing. It's 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 pretty easy on, you know, whether it's Amazon or whatever to, yeah. to put a negative comment. And I but I can tell you, I've become much more understanding now. Yeah. If I'm reading if I'm, you know, read someone's and I I say, oh, there's some typos here or yeah. I am much less harsh than I, yeah. than I would have been. <laughs> than I was before. Yeah. <laughs> Because even exactly. even after uh, it go, went through an editor, proofreader, and as it's formatting, you know, every time someone touches your book, there's a chance for a new error to come in. Yes, and two there was two errors after all that that still slipped into my first book, mm-hmm. and one of the first people that read it pointed it out to me, and I thought, oh, yeah, I nice. can't believe it. <laughs> and, that, and the problem is they were both errors that in the final round i was trying to clean up a couple of sentences yeah and didn't make it clear what i was doing to the formatter and so they kept in a couple extra words not so there's not typos it's just a couple words that are misplaced so yeah i mean even i mean even the negative comments sometimes are like okay good good comment that's now i need to know what i need to do next time yeah I figure it out yeah so you're not necessarily like don't do it it's just sometimes you're, sometimes a negative comment is a good comment well, and that it really, I don't know if you use beta readers, um, mm-hmm. but I, but I, I have for mine and my very, the first book, well, the book coach and I had gone through probably four or five drafts and thought pretty solid story, mm-hmm. you know, no, no big plot holes. And probably half of my beta readers came back and said, you know, this character, your main character is not likable. And I'm like, I just wanted to slap him. He just seemed <laughs> too whiny. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, I'm trying to write him as a 17-year-old kid, which yeah. you tend to be kind of whiny then, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, you don't really, you haven't figured things out. But it, I was, I thought, well, that's enough people giving me the same feedback that's negative mm-hmm. that instead of, you know, me curling up in a ball, I'm like, well, I'm going to have to rewrite this a bit. I got to right. I got to make him, you know, a, a little nicer, yeah. a little less likely to get mad at the slightest mm-hmm. thing. And, and 
in the next round, everyone thought it fixed the problem. So excellent, excellent. Yeah. Well, Phil, it's been great talking to you. A pleasure meeting you uh, a couple months ago. Um, yeah. You know, folks, go out there and buy his book. The second one's coming out, so now you can read a series. Uh, nothing like the new year to get some uh, new. Let your imagination run wild. And that's what books allow you to do. So that's a lot right. cheaper than flying over to France and trying to track all these places down. Too. It is, but I like your idea about the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's why I did. Well, that's why I was in Europe because I actually did some research for my next book, and I wanted to actually kind of feel it and walk it and, and right. You know, I've you know I've started writing it, then I've decided that I need a break, so I haven't really written. It. I'm thinking about it, so I think I'm going to start back up here in the next couple of weeks or whatever. But I just need a you know, writing full time almost is like ugh, crazy. Yeah. You know, break. But great, it's been it, it, great. So, what's the name of your book again and where can we get it? The first one is The Poncor Murders. So, that's the second is, one. Second one is Murder in the Marais. So, Poncor Murders takes place part in Paris and then a lot in rural France. The second book is all in Paris. So, um, yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully someone will buy it and enjoy it. And I folks, really appreciate, if, I appreciate if, you having me on. Oh, anytime, folks. If you hear of a tour of a Three Musketeers tour in Paris, and Phil's not on there, you need to tell that person Phil thought of it and send them some money, uh, and know where you got the idea it was right here on uh, Author Eke. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you awesome. very much. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm.